0: Welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. All right, all right, all right. What up, Ram fans? It is Thursday, September 15th. Happy National Double Cheeseburger Day. Shout out to the Dan Patrick Show for teaching me that. Um, We've got a busy day. We're gonna talk about just briefly what's happening with some of the other programs around campus, busy slate for some of the Olympic sports. Gonna give a couple of thoughts on Craig Thompson stepping down. That'll be something we talk about uh, multiple times with different perspectives over the next couple of weeks. Obviously really, really big news in the Mountain West, the league's only commissioner in its you know 24 year history. So that's pretty crazy. And I'm going to play my interview with uh, Travis Green of CREM2 News out in Spokane, Washington. And Travis is a CSU alum. I went to school with him for a while. He graduated a couple of years before me, but we're pretty close in age. And he was one of the guys that I respected a ton in Rocky Mountain student media, you know, really showed me what's possible if you're willing to grind and go that extra mile. So we just talked with him a little bit about his CSU experiences, what he misses about, you know, Fort Collins and Northern Colorado. But ultimately, I just wanted to get his perspective on Washington State, given that he covers the team in terms of this particular matchup, just as a guy that's on the Washington State beat, but is also a CSU alum and pays attention, watches the Rams still. You know, Travis, probably the most qualified individual to talk about Saturday's game. So I hit him up. We were able to talk for close to a half hour. I really think Ram fans are going to enjoy that interview, and they're going to enjoy getting Travis's perspective, both on CSU and this Washington State team. I mean, he really knows this stuff. Before we get into what's happening in Agland over the next couple of days, on this day in Rams history, CSU lost 40-20 to at home to San Jose State on September fifteenth, 2012. This was one week after the Rams lost at home to an FCS team. North Dakota State came in and, uh, led by Craig Bull, really beat CSU down in a physical game. This was two weeks after they won the Rocky Mountain Showdown in Jim McElwain's first game. The reason I bring this up: it was Jim McElwain's first season. You start really high, you have all this excitement, and then things got tough. They lost six consecutive games after winning that RMS. Before you know, finishing three and two over the final five to finish a respectable four and eight, all things considered. I bring this up to remind everyone that the first season can be a wonky process. The 2012 Rams had talent, man. That team had Shaq Barrett, Garrett Grayson, Joe Hansley, Crockett Gilmore, Weston Richburg, Tyson Brylow, Corey James, DeAndre Elliott, Aaron, and Kevin Davis. That's a lot of NFL talent. But after years of being a losing program, they had some growing pains. And right now there are some growing pains for the 2022 Rams 10 years later in the first season under Jay Norvell. Last week was was frustrating. Saturday could be really tough. I mean, this is going to be a hard game against Washington State. And again, you're going to learn more about this really talented team from that interview with Travis. But when you have the right talent and you have quality coaches, eventually you can right the ship. doesn't happen overnight, even when you have good players, even when you have good coaches. And for the record, Middle Tennessee, not as bad as CSU fans have reacted. I get that you know, they're not a phenomenal program, but in terms of talent, size, physicality, somewhat similar to what the Rams will face in the Mountain West. Anyways, just some perspective for you all. Uh, last thing I'm going to say in this intro here, I hate that Thursday Night Football is on Amazon Prime. I already know that my grandma is going to call me right around kickoff, very frustrated, You know, not, not able to watch the game on her TV. I just, I hate everything about streaming in 2022. You can meme me, you can mock me, say I'm old, whatever. But if you think having 45 different streaming services is any better than cable, I just, I don't know what to tell you. There was a time when streaming was awesome. Netflix and Hulu essentially had everything. You know, Amazon Prime could get you the, the couple of other random things that you might not be able to get with those two. And it's just too much now. It's too much. All of the... All of the streaming platforms have been weakened because everybody has their own service now. And, you know, places like Hulu and and Amazon and Netflix in the early stages, they had content that wasn't their own. Now they're just mass producing a bunch of generic shitty content. And we're reaching the point where it's going to get into sports. And I know that this is the way of the future. I know this has been coming. I get all of that. But it's just ridiculous when you have to have Amazon Prime and you have to have Apple TV And you have to have a cable subscription and the NFL package and this and that just to watch this freaking league. The young people listening to this podcast will roll their eyes and just say, just pirate it. But, you know, that's not an option for everybody. My grandparents in their 80s don't know how to pirate games. And they shouldn't have to. So that's my two cents on it. Streaming sucks. You cannot change my mind on it. I am that meme of the guy sitting out there. Streaming sucks. Change my opinion except I don't even want to hear your case because you can't change my opinion. I just, I feel this so strongly and I wanted to ramble about it for a second, but uh, now I'm going to move on. The NFL's opening week was action-packed. It's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any football game, get $200 in free bets instantly, and if you want even more action, you can experience the thrill with the early win promotion. It's simple. the Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, I'm going to get to that interview with Travis momentarily, but I did want to start with what's happening around Agland, beginning with the CSU women's basketball team, whose schedule for this upcoming season was released earlier this week. They play 16 games at Moby Arena, including the first five all at home. Their first official game of the year is against BYU on November 8th. That's a really nice poll for this team, a perennial top 25 program. Hopefully, they can get a nice crowd for that. Uh, Week before, on November 1st, CSU Women's Basketball will open officially with an exhibition against Colorado Christian. They will also host Montana and Western Colorado in the four-game homestand to start the schedule. They'll head on the road for the first time at the end of November, playing Mississippi State on the 20th before spending Thanksgiving in Las Vegas, where they'll play Mercer and Auburn. They'll finish the trip with a game in Greeley against the Bears on November 29th. We still got a while, obviously, until basketball season begins, but we've got a couple of programs in the heart of their seasons. CSU volleyball has a big home and home with Colorado this week, starting tonight. That it's Thursday and then Friday in Boulder. CSU currently six and three, while CU is seven and one. This is a big opportunity for CSU to pick up some key wins or at least try to, the match will count as the annual whiteout game, and they'll be playing for the Golden Spike Trophy, which was introduced back in 2019. Since that trophy was established, each team holds 2-2 uh, two and two records, so going for the lead in the series for that traveling trophy. Looking at some of the uh, all-time info, their rivalry dates back to 1987, where CSU took the opening match 3-0 in Fort Collins. Since then, there actually have not been a ton of sweeps. Only 13 of 41 matches have ended in a sweep for either team. This will be the third season out of the last four that the Rams and Buffs have done a home-and-home series where they play consecutive match days with each team hosting one competition. I think it's a great way to do it. I think it makes it really intense, particularly if the first match is really close. On that second one, you know, it feels like a playoff series almost. All time versus the Buffs in series, CSU is 25 and 16. They're 16 and 6 at home, 9 and 10 on the road. And Tom Hilbert is 15 and 7 all time against CU. Couple of more notes here from the press release. The CSU SIDs do a phenomenal job. Junior Karina Lever totaled 22 kills in CSU's five-set win over ASU. That notched a career high for the middle blocker, who hit at a 571 kill percentage. The match against ASU was CSU's first five-set match of the year, and in the dominant win over Evansville last weekend, six different CSU hitters added to kills for the offensive attack. That was great, as Tom, uh, Coach Tom Hilbert talked a lot about building depth and getting experience during non-conference play. They will you know, hope to build off of this trend again against CU. Another standout, redshirt freshman uh, Kate Yashimoto continues to be a young highlight in the back row. Again, this is from the press release. Game by game, she continues to lead the team and digs as she has put up double-digit numbers in 7 out of 9 matches this season. The Libero passed up a season-high 18 versus ASU last weekend. We'll see if those two can keep it going in a couple of really important matches against the Buffs this week. Always a fun time, usually really competitive matches. Go Rams, baby. Um, CSU Women's Golf, they will begin their 2022-23 season at the Badger Invitational this weekend out in Wisconsin. 13 teams in that field, including CSU, Wisconsin, Delaware, East Carolina, also some Big Ten representation, Indiana, Iowa, Nebraska, Rutgers all in it, and Washington State. So a couple of games against the Cougs uh, with multiple sports this weekend. It will take place at University Ridge Golf Course out in Verona, Wisconsin. It is a par 72 course. Finally, CSU Women's Tennis is set to be in fall play at the Bedford Cup this weekend. That is at the Air Force Academy. It's a four-day event beginning Thursday with doubles play. It'll be interesting to see if the tennis program can build off of what was a really phenomenal year last year, really a historic season for the program. So good luck to them in the Bedford Cup as well. Go Rams! The last thing that I wanted to talk about before I play that interview with Travis Green, previewing Washington State, reminiscing about his time at CSU, I just wanted to give a couple of initial thoughts on Craig Thompson stepping down. Didn't really say much on yesterday's podcast. Uh, Ultimately, and I've talked about this before, I think Craig Thompson takes too much hate from Mountain West fans. I think it's a thankless, really, really difficult position, particularly when you are the commissioner of a, a G5 league. I definitely think it's time for new ideas. I think a quarter of a century is a long time for anybody to be in charge of anything. And so I just think that in an evolving, you know, landscape for college football, it's it's time to get potentially some fresh blood in there. We'll see if they promote from within or if they end up, you know, going outside the conference, a couple of pros and cons from Craig Thompson, obviously losing Utah and TCU sucked, but you can't, I mean, what was he supposed to do? I think he I think he recovered pretty well, all things considered. I don't love San Jose State being in the league. I think Hawaii is, is more trouble than it's worth, but I do think it's a fun football brand, and so I'll concede on that one, and, and they have some value. But, you know, I mean, adding Boise State was huge. As much as we all roll our eyes with the Broncos and, you know, have been annoyed by the fact that the Mountain West has really catered to them over the years, the fact of the matter is the conference desperately needed Boise State, especially after Utah and TCU left. That could have been, you know, the death blow for a ton of G5 leagues. And the fact that they were able to recover and essentially stay, you know, close to as relevant, I would say not quite as nationally relevant because at the end there, Utah and TCU were legitimate top 10 programs. You know, it's, it's, it's been pretty good, all things considered. I know that football pays the bills, but I do long believe the Mountain West has failed to capitalize more nationally on their hoops brand. I think there have been a lot of times where this you know, could have been outside of the, the Big East, like the other major basketball conference. There was an opportunity to add Wichita State at one point. Maybe you could have nabbed Gonzaga in the early 2000s. That would have been huge. But I do know that that process is a hell of a lot more complicated than anybody, including myself, you know, makes it out to be when we're sitting here rambling, you know, just go add this school. It's, you know, they've actually got to bring more financially, but it's not worth it. At that point, you're actually taking away. It's, you know, kind of similar to, uh, similarly got a little tongue tied there (laughs) to when the big 12, you know, lost Texas and Oklahoma. And everybody was talking about how they should, you know, go, you know, poach some of the remaining AAC members. You know, if they weren't actually bringing more money, they would be taking money away from the current members in a conference that already makes less money than the power leagues. So that can be a a bit of a tap dance. And the thing with Craig Thompson that I think a lot of people overlook, aside from the fact that he played a major role in the expanded playoff, is just that the, the Mountain West Network was actually a really great idea. And it was way ahead of its time, probably a little too ahead of its time. And they got screwed over by the TV carriers. My point of bringing all this up is not to tell you you're wrong and, and being excited about Craig Thompson stepping down because, again, I do think it's just time for some fresh blood. 24 years is a hell of a long time. But I think it's a, it's just a really difficult position. I, I view it similarly to athletic directors. Like, why in the world would a sane person want to take this job? But uh, best of luck to Craig Thompson. He was always cool to me in my interactions with him. But whoever takes over is is... going to be an important time because obviously we're in a a position where the the landscape of college football is shifting and you don't want to get left behind before i play that interview with travis i do want to talk about our partner at athletic greens i started taking athletic greens because i wanted better gut health and more energy but I, i don't want to take a bunch of pills and supplements and a million things usually they taste like chalk and Athletic Greens is perfect because it, it just solves all of my complaints. It it tastes kind of tangy. You put it right in your water, you know, it dissolves quick. Just stir it up, drink it down. Nice and easy. I've been on AG1 for over a year and I love it. You know, it makes me feel better about myself, particularly, you know, if you're you're not eating as, as great as you would like to. And I know that certainly happens to me in the season when, you know, I'm eating too much fast food just because I'm traveling back and forth between Fort Collins and Denver. So what is this stuff? It's 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things you care about or all the things you should care about. It's lifestyle-friendly, so if you're keto, paleo, vegan-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever, you're good. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything while still tasting good. Supports better sleep quality and recovery. So if you're, you know, you're an athlete, it's great. Costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than going, you know, to get coffee. Tons of people take some type of multivitamin. It's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body is actually going to absorb. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do, go to athleticgreens.com rams. That is athleticgreens.com rams. Take ownership over your health. Pick up the daily nutritional insurance. One last time, athleticgreens.com slash Rams. All right, let's get to that interview with Travis Green of Creme 2 News out in Spokane, Washington, and preview that matchup with Washington State. All right, we've got a special guest on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Good friend of mine, Travis Green, sports director of Creme 2 News out in Spokane, Washington. They cover Washington State. Travis is a CSU alum. He's a Longmont native. He's got a cool story. Uh, We're going to pick his brain a little bit about Washington State. I'm going to ask him about his time at CSU, what he misses about it, because we all miss Fort Collins. But before we get into that, I was doing some snooping, Travis. I don't know how I didn't know this story, but I pulled up your profile about how you sent an email to Woody Page in middle school and got to spend a day with him for Take Your Kid to Work Day. That's epic.
1: That's uh that's some good snooping there, Justin. yeah, so I don't know i was I was obviously small. I'm a short dude, as you know, so uh being a professional athlete was kind of out of the realm of possibilities. I learned that pretty early. not to say I was a bad athlete. I played varsity football and baseball, but I, I made do with what I had, but eighth grade we had bring your kid to work day It was like a big thing at my middle school, and my mom, um you know, not gonna hate on anybody that's a receptionist' very important job, and we all need you, just like my mom, but I was like, I don't want to be a receptionist. I don't want to go to work with my mom. Like, gross. So I was like, you well, know, let me shoot for the stars because I watched around the horn every day after school. every single day. was That was my routine. So I loved Woody Page because he was the guy in Denver. So I shot him an email, um, you know, as an eighth grader, not really knowing what to expect. And he actually got back to me and said, sure, come to the Denver Post and you can be there while I report around the horn. So I got to go hang out with Woody Page and, it it obviously made my year, made my day, and that's kind of what led me to get into journalism. I saw that side of it, and I was like, "Man, if I can get paid to do that, that's that's the dream." And uh, sure enough, here I am doing it now. I've been doing it for like four or five years. So. Yeah. What was uh What was Woody
0: like? I mean, he's one of the few like Denver media people that I've weirdly never you know come across at any point. Met Vic, met Vic Lombardi, Drew Goodman, all those people, but I've never met Woody.
1: Right, right. He, he's on Woody time. He, he's exactly <laughs> what you see on uh, Around the Horn, man. He's a character. He's he's a really funny guy and type of guy you'd like to just go grab a beer with. Uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. He was cool. But yeah, I know you don't see him as much now because he's getting older.
0: Well, he's big time. I mean, I feel like Woody Page kind of gets to just show up to what he wants yeah. to show up to. And that's yeah. we all just accept it because we all grew up watching him. as a legend. But I just wanted to ask you about that. What a cool story. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, man.
1: Yeah, it was fun.
0: You, uh, you obviously broke into media at CSU. Again, I'll pick your brain about that at the end. Uh, but I, I want to get your impression of Washington State. You're obviously, you know, tuned in up there. It, it's been an interesting start to the season. I would say from the outside looking in, you see them kind of, you know, barely beat Idaho and CSU fans are like, all right, like, you know, maybe that game's not going to be that bad then they go on the road and they beat Wisconsin. And now Ram fans are like, what the fuck? Like, what are we getting into? <laughs> so uh, what's your impression of this Washington State team? I mean, what was the preseason expectation? And has that shifted at all after, you know, this big time upset?
1: Right. Uh, okay. So I'll kind of give you the waves of what's happened. Preseason, you know, we have head coach Jake Dicker taking over after the whole Nick Rolovich thing last year. If you're unaware. Listen. Nick Rolovich didn't get vaccinated. It was a state mandate. He was a state employee. He wound up uh, being fired, essentially let go of his job, and Jake Dickert filled in for him at the end of the season. And Jake Dickert was, is a young coach. He was a defensive coordinator at Wyoming. He's like had a meteoric rise. BC at Wyoming, then comes the WSU, is the BC for a year and a half, and then Rolovich happens, and then he winds up being an interim guy. Well, Dickert comes in. I think it was two and one. You might need to fact check me on this. But wound up winning the Apple Cup for the first time in quite some time. And then everybody at WC is like, this is our guy. So they wind up hiring Dicker before um, their bowl game in the um, in El Paso, the Sun Bowl. So Dicker gets hired. He takes over this team. A lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball. Rolovich was an offensive guy. He had his guys in there. And a lot of those players were Nick Rolovich recruits. So Jaden Delora, now Arizona, quarterback gone. And he was a Pac-12 newcomer of the year and, you know, a stud. So you also lose a lot of the offensive line from last year. Abe Lucas, one of them, drafted by the Seahawks, in the third round. And there were a couple of other guys wound up leaving front line that were really important. So heading into this season, the big question was, how's the offense going to be? We had no idea. The defense returned. Pretty much everybody from last year. And this is Dickert's guys. They all stayed. They love Coach Dickert. This defense on paper before the season, you're like, man, they're going to be really, really good. Potentially the best defense in the 12. Question was the offense. And then you go into this Idaho game. You have transfer quarterback Cameron Ward coming from Incarnate Word. So the, the interesting part of this is Cam Ward comes over, but so does his head coach from Incarnate Word. So Eric Morris is now the OC at Washington state. He was the head coach of Cam Ward and Carnet word. It was like a package deal. These two come over to WSU. So everybody's stoked. You lose Delora, you get Cam Ward. He was one of the top transfer recruits in the country. So it's like, Hey, WSU's fine. The Cougs, they're going to have a good offense. He knows the offense. He's coming in. The big question is the offense line. Um, then you head into that Idaho game and, Holy smokes, man. Idaho was four and seven last year in the FCS. Um, I don't want to ramble too much for our Ram fans here. They have a new head coach, Jay Snack, that came over. and He's really turned the program around. They look fantastic. Almost beat Indiana. But you go back to that week one, the Battle of the Palouse and WSU, you're like, whoa, oh, this might be a rough year. Like, got down to the line with Idaho. Again, four and seven last year. And the offense really, I'm telling you, Justin, I was on the sidelines. It seemed like they ran three plays the whole game. It seemed screen, slant, or run the ball. That's all we saw against Idaho. And I'm sitting there thinking like this is going to be a rough year because the offense just can't do anything. It's too much pressure on the defense. Then you fast forward to Wisconsin and they pull off this upset in a completely different offense and they played exactly how they need to. Let the defense be that great defense. Offense don't don't turn the ball over and just maximize what you have. And goodness gracious, I don't even know what to tell you what we think of this team because week one, we thought this is going to be a rough season. Week two, it's this is a top 25 team. So I don't know what team we're going to see against Colorado State at this point. I'm going to be honest.
0: That's about how I feel. I mean, I I recorded the, the Washington State-Wisconsin game. I went back and rewatched it. And one of the things that stood out to me, and and this makes sense based on you talking up their defense, based on what Norvell has highlighted as well, that's a really physical defensive unit. They're athletic, they're fast, they fly around. And they actually added a a former Norvell player in Dayon Henley at at linebacker, Mm -hmm. transfers over from Nevada. That guy's a stud. You know, all the CSU fans are like, we got all the Nevada guys. Not all of them, apparently, because Dayon Henley is a freaking stud.
1: Oh, he's looked really good in their first two games, too. So he's been huge. And now when you talk about the CSU game, I obviously as an alum, watch as much CSU as I can. I had an opportunity to watch last week. And that offensive line, I know they're dealing with some injuries, but they got eaten alive by Middle Tennessee State. Now, you're going to go up against the Cougars, who have Brennan Jackson and Ron Stone Jr., who I think both are NFL-caliber defensive ends. Yikes. Clay Millen's it. He might take a
0: beating this week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the staff is able to adjust. They're trying to figure out different combinations. I mean, anytime you lose, you're starting left tackle like 48 hours before a kickoff. That's brutal. Then you lose your right tackle in the game. That was not a great scenario. And on top of that, Middle Tennessee blitzes about 80% of the time. So it's just kind of like a recipe for disaster. I asked Norvell, about Washington state. I was like, obviously middle Tennessee, they were a high pressure unit. We knew that going in. I was like, is what is your assessment of Washington state? And he's like, traditionally they don't bring as much, you know, pressure. It's a lot of man coverage, but that makes sense. If you have a defensive line that can really disrupt, you don't have to blitz. They're going to get up to the QB
1: anyways. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. When you brought that up, they don't have to, this defensive line is so good at getting to the quarterback that they have the luxury of, let's play man to man or let's play a little zone. And the thing about this defense is the secondary really darn good too. Really good. You got PAC 12 honorable mentions there. Armani Marsh. Now here's the thing. Derek Lane, Jimmy, he might not play against CSU. He's their number one guy. He's their, Hey, go box went down for us right now. He's questionable. That's what I read today. So uh, we'll see with that, but that's exactly how it is. Like you said, they, they trust their guys up front. They don't have to send pressure. So uh, that's, that and tricky part i mean millen as a freshman obviously more pressure might disrupt him so maybe wsu will bring some more pressure but they don't have to. they can they can just run with four guys and they'll get to the quarterback regardless
0: it's one of those where i'm like i feel like if i'm a defensive coordinator and i look at what middle tennessee did to an extent i'm like well why wouldn't i do that it clearly overwhelmed them but then you look at the lapses they had in coverage in the third quarter where the passing offense comes storming back and you're like, Oh, well that's, if you don't have to, that's why you don't blitz 80% of the time. So I, <laughs> I don't exactly. think Washington state will will do that. You mentioned some of the defensive standouts. Um, we talked, talked about Cam Ward a little bit. He was obviously a really highly touted recruit. How would you describe his game? I mean, he's you know very, very accomplished before coming over does make the jump up, obviously from the FCS to the FBS, dual threat guy a little bit. Like he's got some escapability to him, but I wouldn't necessarily call him like a dual threat quarterback. Um, I think he's looking more to stretch the field vertically, but what's your, just what's your impression of him since he's come over.
1: Right. And it's interesting because, you know, when you read all the recruiting and you hear about all that, the whole thought process was, he was a dual threat guy coming over, but now seeing him in person, he's not necessarily the fastest guy, but he's got speed. If that makes sense. Like he's not slow. He's not a pocket passer. He can scramble, but he's not really looking to run the ball. He's keeping his eyes downfield the whole time. If he's scrambling, it's to buy time and look downfield. Um, not the strongest arm in the world. He doesn't have a rocket arm, but he's been very accurate, and he doesn't make bad decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over. So that's the thing with Cam Ward. You're not going to see some like eye-opening, oh, my God, that was an incredible throw, but he's going to make smart decisions and they typically like to do shorter passes, but last week they did take some shots against Wisconsin at work. Um, so, really, just a game game manager that can do some spectacular things here and there is how I'd best describe him. I'm trying to think of a comp off the top of my head. And can't really think of one, like a slower Russell Wilson. Like I actually, you know?
0: I kind of, I like the comparison. I mean similar style just in terms of like he's not fast but he can make you miss he's slippery Uh, I don't know like you've certainly seen him a lot more than I have but just kind of based on some of the stuff I watched you know coming into the year just knowing this game and then seeing that this last matchup he's interesting though that's that's huge that they were able to bring him in losing to Laura because like you mentioned that's a guy that really lit it up and that was you know probably one of the bigger losses in the transfer portal this season
1: yeah, that was, that was big time for Coach Dicker to get him in. Uh, the thing about Ward that I will kind of say, he does have the ability to make some throws that you're like, how how the hell did he just do that? He's got, you know, the Mahomes side side pass. It was in spring camp, our first couple times seeing him, he had like a defender in his face and he made a little to the side throw and we all looked at each other, all of us in the media like, oh, okay, he can do this. So he does have his moments where you're like, okay, I, I understand why he was such a highly touted pod.
0: You're a really unique perspective to have on this podcast, given that you are a CSU alum. You're you're literally probably the only person I could have brought on that could give, <laughs> you know, like actual analysis on on both teams just in terms right. of how much you've seen Washington State and then, you know, going back and watching CSU. We all know the O-line's been a mess. I mean, if yeah, if they don't clean it up, they're not gonna have a chance to even be competitive in this one. From Washington State's perspective, how does this game go wrong? Where could you see this potentially, you know, like being an area where CSU could exploit, I guess, would would be the way that I should have phrased that question. Where where can CSU attack Washington State?
1: So I go back to the Idaho game 100% because this is the same situation. CSU's underdog. Idaho defensively gave WSU so much trouble. They really made them one-dimensional. You have to, you know, just get pressure, really. You have to get pressure. The WC's not the greatest running team, so you got to make them throw the ball, which they will, and they like to do short passes. CSU standpoint, you just have to battle Cam Ward. Now, the thing about the Idaho game is that was the first game of the year, so there was probably jitters there. They came out slow in the first half and second half put on. That's how they wound up winning. You gotta somehow get them sleeping on CSU the way they I I don't want to say they slept on Idaho but they slept on Idaho. <laughs> like, they it's really natural. Did. I mean, you just yeah see it
0: like like the coaches and the players they say all the right things in the interview. You know, we take this exactly. opponent as seriously. But when you're when you've got the trip to Wisconsin looming in week two, it's different. It, it, it's just different.
1: Exactly. So CSU they're gonna have to just come out and have a hell of a first half. That's the thing. You got to come out firing on all cylinders from the get-go. That's exactly what Idaho did. And a few things go their way, and Idaho won that game. So um, it's in the realm of possibility. CSU can definitely do it. There's the talent there. It's just you got to get going from the very get-go.
0: It's going to be interesting. I think it's a fun matchup. Um, Probably a game I felt better about just in terms of CSU being competitive in coming into the season than I do after the first two weeks. But that's more just about the state of CSU's offensive line. We'll see what kind of adjustments they can make. Yeah, they got something to
1: in the second half. I mean, if no, you and that's the thing. That it's, it's good to
0: see. Yeah, like they didn't yeah. lay down. Um, but you could probably speak to this. I mean, just being an alum, it just feels like Ram teams, especially like post Jim McElwain, mm-hmm. have not responded to getting punched in the in the mouth. While well. they just kind of have crumbled, and yeah. that was one of the things that Norvell talked about after practice today. Is like this has just been a cursed program for a while now. You know, I don't like the body language guys hanging their heads. He's like, that's, you know, probably the biggest thing they got to change in that locker room is just, it, it feels like a losing culture. And like, they almost have expected right. to lose. And it like, it just compounds like year after year.
1: 100%. It seems like things go wrong. And then it's just a tumble effect. You know, dominoes falling. And it's like, okay, game's not going our way. We're losing now. And the worst part of that for CSU in this matchup specifically is Dicker was a coach at Wyoming. He was the DC there, you know. He knows the Mountain West. He knows Fort Collins, so uh, yeah, he knows. It's it's gonna be a tough match.
0: <laughs> well, and uh, I believe that the DC is was at Nevada for a year with Norvell as well, so he's got some some Mountain West experience as well. Um, I, I do want to pick your brain a little bit just about what you miss about CSU before we let you go here. You, you graduated in 2016, I believe.
1: Yeah, uh, I was uh, the old victory lap, so I had an extra semester. So, December Oh,
0: yeah, I, I had to do that, too. That's it's all right. It's, it's f- yeah, part of the extra, process.
1: An extra semester in college, I'll take it. I Shoot, I'd pay to go back now.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, part of it, and you even more so than me, I mean, when you do the student media experience and you're also doing stuff for athletics and you're, like, producing the Rams Report show, like... Yeah, a lot going on outside of just going to class. Like to yeah. be honest, like I prioritize pretty much everything but going to class.
1: Exactly. Yeah, nothing quite like taking insect science and society your final semester of college to <laughs> be able to graduate. Yeah, no, you know the struggle. I mean, anybody listening here, like our focus was sports. It's college was B. That sports was A, B is uh school. So, you know, made do with what you could.
0: Yeah, we were in college to have access to sports teams, but um, what what do you miss most about like CSU Fort Collins? Obviously, you're a Longmont native, so yeah, you know what do you what do you miss just about Northern Colorado in general?
1: Ah, man, that's such a hard question because I mean, basically everything. Like, I I love Fort Collins. I can't even put into words my appreciation and like true love for Fort Collins. It's such a cool town, and now that I've lived other places like Corpus Christi, Texas, and now I'm out in Spokane. Um, I just there's something about it. Everybody's so nice. It's such a safe town and it's so fun. Everybody has the same like mentality out there. If that makes any sense, like everybody's chill and nice to everybody where that's not that's not the place everywhere you go in the world, you know so I just I love Fort Collins. I miss it. Um, I miss Crazy Carls Pizza. Uh, I miss going to Old Town. Um, I don't miss going to rec room now that I'm older. that that's that's <laughs> bad news these days, but <laughs> it was a good time. I just knew everybody out there, too, man. It was a fun, such a fun college experience. and I didn't even start college at the I started at UNLB and transferred after my freshman year and just the best decision I made in my entire life, like hands down. When was the last
0: time you were on campus? It's, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, that change was happening while we were on campus, obviously, but like right. the last five, six years, it's insane.
1: I know. Uh, I was actually on last summer. So before, I had a little time in between my Texas job and the Spokane job because of the pandemic. Nobody was hiring sports TV guys. So I was at home living with mom, you know, living the dream at the age of 20 what was I, 28, 27, (laughs) living with mom. So I went up to Fort Collins quite a bit actually that summer and I went on campus, holy smokes, it brought back so many memories, but also it's different now, you know? Uh, They're gonna get a new Clark, Justin, can you believe it?
0: Hell is officially frozen over at this point. Like I I I thought we would get a new I thought they'd replace Moby before they replaced Clark. Like it just yeah that thing survives everything. It could survive a nuclear bomb strike. I'm convinced
1: of it. <laughs> Asbestos and all, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm not sure that people should be in that building, but they have been. I mean nothing stopped it.
1: Bill's character. You know? Bill's character. Nothing, nothing like wandering those halls. <laughs>
0: All right, so you transferred in after your freshman year. What year with that
1: With that 2015? So, 2013, I was on campus at CSU. So I was at UNLV the year they had um, – why am I blanking on the name? Anthony Bennett. So they, they won the Mountain West. That was your Pierce Hornung and all the guys at CSU where CSU was so good that year. Yeah. So I, I was in Vegas for that, unfortunately. I wish I was on – Campus for that, but I was at CSU, obviously for the Garrett Grayson, Richard Higgins. Worked in media for all those 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 glory years at McElwain.
0: Well, the reason I bring that up is because I interned for McElwain, uh, just like I'm in the office working for the director of football operations, Tom Ellers. I'm curious, what was McElwain like from your perspective, like the student media side? What was he like
1: to interact with? And I worked with him on the Rams Report, so the show that's on Root Sports. So I was with McElwain. All the time, man. I loved Mac. As a, he treated me well, I you know you see coaches sometimes they are not the nicest guys. That's just football guys. I mean you probably relate, Justin. Coaches are I've been around a
0: few prickly ones.
1: <laughs> McElwain was fun to work with, man. I, I don't want to say Michael HS, But his press conference were were always pretty fun during his era. And working with him on the Rams report, you know, he was always nice to me and would joke around with me. So I, I enjoyed that. And, God, what a time to cover! You know I, that was like my first year covering uh, CSU with CTV, and how spoiled was I? Th- those teams were so fun.
0: Oh, that that whole run—I mean, it feels like forever ago now. But did uh, did MacLean have a nickname for you? That was like his thing. He had a nickname no, for everybody. I know
1: he didn't. I didn't know if he ever knew my name. Within one Rams report day, uh, he said to Brian Roth, "Love that guy." Uh, he said, uh, has Travis ever asked you for any advice? And Brian cracked a joke. like, Because I, I heard it all. They didn't know I could hear it. So, Brian was like, I don't know if he wants to be me in the future. So he did know my name.
0: <laughs> That's cool, man. I, uh, I wore a Peyton Manning jersey one time, and then he called me Peyton for two and a half years. <laughs> so I was like, it works at least at... Uh, at least I had something that he, like, recognized something
1: you me for. UF? yeah.
0: And then he, like, he switched it up for a little bit because I had a Tula Whiskey jersey. So then for a little bit, he was calling me Tulo, But then he was like, I like Peyton better. So we went back to that. <laughs> Very weird guy. But that's interesting. Right, I,
1: he did do that to remember people, the nicknames.
0: It was it was literally everyone. Like, it was just yeah. nobody. I don't think I ever saw him refer to anybody by their actual first name. Um, Not even his kicker. You would not call no, him definitely kicker. Not. You remember yeah. that, yeah <laughs> what was your favorite CSU sports memory?
1: Oh, man, that's a really good question, really, really good. Uh, I mean, for me, going to the Vegas Bowl was pretty fun. I mean, that wasn't the outcome anybody wanted, no, but that Utah. whole season
0: was such a blast. It was
1: fun. I, and I or if any of my Spokane people are listening right now. The WSU, I'm sorry, but Shaq Barrett with the strip in that bowl game, that might take the cake, actually, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. That was crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's objectively, like, one of the craziest college football games of all time.
1: Right. I'm trying to think, maybe winning the boot in Fort Collins, too. The game, Richard, he had a pretty big game, if I remember correctly. And after the game, Richard was taking pictures with sunglasses on. That was a good one, too. (laughs) Uh, I can't remember what that score was. I'm pretty sure that was – I don't know if that was Air Force. I think that was Wyoming. I'll have to go through my
0: pictures. I have pictures. Well, in in 2013, I think they beat Air Force and Wyoming pretty good. Uh, They stomped Air Force in the season finale to get like bowl eligibility. But um, anyways, man, this was fun. This was fun to catch up. It was fun to pick your brain about any time it sees you. Get the inside scoop on Washington State. It's it's cool to see you killing it out there, dude.
1: Thanks, Justin. It's really good to see you, man. And I love everything you're doing with the DNVR. Am I saying do you guys say Denver or DNVR?
0: DNVR. you're you're I telling thought
1: so. It. Yeah. I thought so. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are doing awesome stuff and seeing you take the frames. for specifically like so cool to see. Uh love, miss, miss all the Colorado people, you know
0: you you'll, you'll make it back out here one of these days
1: we'll see we'll see what winds up happening with the old career either
0: that or you're gonna be like on the mlb network and i'm just gonna be like i know that dude we played volleyball together
1: that's the dream i keep saying to all my people that at the hall of fame that i interned they're like hey give me a job at mlb network but quim too if you're listening to this i love my job don't don't take that wrong way
0: This is a completely random before you go and nobody else will understand this reference unless like Uh, somebody from Rocky Mountain Student Media is listening. But uh, it's electric, Travis. Oh,
1: my God. What a throwback. (laughs) I
0: randomly think about that like once or twice a year. I don't know why. Just (laughs) you in a Benjamin Franklin costume doing the the news for Halloween. It's
1: electric. Saying any highlights electric. I think I peaked in that moment it will not get better than that like it's still i still have gifts of it and i put it up on twitter sometimes it lives to this day
0: travis green apex mountain was uh, the it's electric moments
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely looking Ooh. all the on the desk it was great
0: awesome man it was great to catch up and thanks again